Warning. What follows is a story of monsters, madness, and mayhem. I am Nick. I'm Zach. Welcome to We're in Fear, a barely educational podcast about global folklore that aims to enlighten, entertain, and expand your world. Got a little intense there. Yeah, that was... uh... Like that? Yeah, kicked it up a notch. Swerving, swerving hard into it. Right. Gonna, get, right. gonna get extreme. I'm gonna stay spooky. Okay. Good evening. What's up? How you doing? Great. <laughs> Good. I'm also doing great. That's a little bit of a fib, but we're being optimistic. Here. I mean, it wasn't a question what I was expecting <laughs> there. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to ask it, so yeah, hey. It threw me hey, off hey. a little bit. Right. All right, well, I'm going to throw just a hypothetical at you. Just play along for a second. Okay. All right. Imagine you were looking for a beautiful place to spend a vacation. Pretend you're an American. Let's just just okay. give us, you know, just play make-believe for just a second. Cool. All right. Let's say you live in the South. Okay. Well, let's say the Southwest, actually. Okay. It's hot. It's dry. You've lived there for years. You're kind of sick of it, really. Mm-hmm. So this vacation. You decide you want to go, pl- you want to, go to someplace generally cool like temperature wise also kind of cool cool you know but yeah like hip yeah like hip right but but like temperature wise cool someplace wet you live in the desert yeah so like it's dry mm-hmm. you'd appreciate some cloud cover a lot of sun kind of looking for hoodie weather okay cozy weather but you also want to experience some culture mm-hmm. some history okay if it gets a little gloomy you want to still be able to take in the sites, nice sites, ancient sites. Also, you want to be near an ocean. Sounds very uh, particular. Yeah, so where do you want to go? I don't know. Scotland. Oh. Yeah. Well, I was thinking in the continental U.S. still. Oh, no, yeah, we're going away. We're done with this. Oh, we wanna, we we're wanna, we're wanna, bailing out. Yeah, we want right. to yeah. jump across, hop across the Atlantic. Yeah, all right. So, much like our fictional southwestern United States resident, this is where our focus takes us. All right. All right. All right, so back in the day, mm-hmm. people used to make human sacrifices to water gods. Yeah, they were cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun thing to do. And they probably didn't know at the time, but human beings are, you know, 90% water. Yeah. So Makes ma- sense. That's right. So maybe they were onto something, you know, dust to dust, yeah. ash to ash, water to water. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe human beings are what water spirits crave. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't know any, so haven't had the chance to ask any. Well, from the 1810 poem, The Lady of the Lake, written by Sir Walter Scott, he watched the wheeling eddies boil till from their foam his dazzled eyes beheld the river demon rise. Hmm. Okay. It's kind of a serious combination of words there. Yeah. So historians believe water spouts may be to blame for these legends. These tales of river demons. I mean, you know water spouts. 
Of course I know water spouts. Right. I mean, I'm saying you're probably very familiar. So what are they for the listener? All right. So listeners, if you don't know what a water, water, what was I going to, what was that? I don't know. I don't know either. So for those not in the know, not as well versed in water spouts as Zach, they're like, you know, little tornadoes over lakes or rivers. Yes, obviously. Uh, causing water to circle around and spin and just do all sorts of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool looking, but thanks to science, we know they are not actually evil spirits. Do we, though? They're just water. Boring! Yeah. What's my next sentence I put down here? They're actually demons? Or do we? <laughs> no, they're, they're actually demons. <laughs> yeah. Factually, actually, they are demons. Yeah. No, right. we've revised science. Yeah. They are demons. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Watch out. Yeah, credit to science. Water sparts are actually demons. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, science. Yeah, sorry, you science. were wrong. Mm. You had a good run. No, nope. um, fun wins out. Science. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> phonology. Yeah. Oh, the study of fun. I like that. That's kind of what we're up to. Can right? I major in that? I'll go back to school for that. I'm a phonologist. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I just know a lot about fun. Just major in fun. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> like, oh, what specific kind of fun? Oh, ancient spirits and demonic entities. <laughs> what? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Fun. It's a minor. Yeah. Yeah. What's your What's your major in phonology, or is phonology the minor? No, You're, phonology is the major with a minor in demonic studies, <laughs> <laughs> water demon studies. You know, water spouts are actually demons. No, well, this fact brought to you by fun. Yeah. All right. So still, okay. Let's just accept maybe those spirits were not real f- for this next paragraph. Okay. Just live in that fictional world for a second. All right. Still, there's several reasons why you might want to proliferate the idea that evil human-hungry horrors live near bodies of water. Stories like these keep stupid kids from fucking around and drowning in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't keep all the stupid kids from drowning. Well, natural but, selection sometimes. But, but it helps, right? You know, it's kind of... Let the uh, let the genetic makeup run its course, mm-hmm. or perhaps darker still, the fact that some people did and do fall victim to the perils of waterways serve as proof these malevolent creatures exist. Maybe in ancient times it was more convenient to say Uncle Benny was devoured by a ferocious aquatic foe than to tell the truth about what happened to him. That maybe at two a.m. He half-heartedly stumbled out of his dwelling, whiskey in tow, with his pants around his ankles, causing him to experience the last trip he would ever take into the waterness cavern below. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's uh, hypothetical. I'm just saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's easy. Somebody's gone down that way, I'm sure. Maybe you just want to tell little Timmy Uncle Benny got attacked by a water demon. They're talking about his pantsless, drunken adventure. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he was possessed by something. <laughs> yeah. It started with a W and ended in a Y. But there's many reasons why a culture might want to make up monster stories. Demon stories. So what kind of demons are we talking about? Water-specific, obviously. But one is a legendary Kelpie. Do you know about the Kelpie? I've heard of it. Okay. What's he look like? He is a powerful and beautiful black horse who calls the deep pools of rivers and streams of Scotland his home consuming any human that crosses his path. Spiritual man-eating horse. Yeah, that sounds... <clears throat> What's that sound Fun. Like? Phonology? Yeah. Yeah, yes, I got a, I got a, a lot of fun. I got a second minor in Kelpies. 
They're real fun. Scottish water studies. <laughs> Scottish water studies. <laughs> we got well these kelpies. Their hooves are backwards, pointing to the rear. Huh. Sometimes serpents can be found making up the composition of his mane. A mane of snakes. These kelpies can also sing, and some variations are a gorgeous white color, choosing to lure their prey in with their melodies. A singing horse. Mm-hmm. I'd go. I'd get close to that and be like, "Yo, what's, what's up, dude?" And then it eats you. That's pretty incredible. <clears throat> oh, now I'm eating. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh-huh. it's cool. It's fun. Oh, I just imagine a, a horse, like horse flat teeth chewing away at human flesh and how painful that would feel like. Yeah. It's like a lot of smashing. Yeah, it's but like, you ever seen like Mustangs fight? Do they rip flesh off? It's gnarly. Well, are there YouTube videos of this? I'm sure there are. All right, I'll look up Mustangs I think fighting. It was in, I think it was in like Planet Earth or something like that. I'm going to look up some Mustangs fighting later. <clears throat> so yeah, picture anybody Google that right now and picture that as a Kelpie attacking a human. Yeah, that's not, that would not be good. Or just go on YouTube and look up a horse attacks a human. I'm sure that's on there, too. I'm sure it's a lot of hooves and faces, though. That's probably what it... But. And a reverse hoof, back kick, it'd be the points just going like straight into you. Oof. It'd be, I mean, not that the other way is good either, but... Anyways. It sounds... <laughs> fun. Yeah, fun. <laughs> Great. All right, so from the Wikipedia article on the Kelpie, the creature's nature was described by Walter Gregor, a folklorist and one of the first members of the Folklore Society. Probably a pretty important, prestigious in, uh, organization that I did not look up anything else on. Cool. He's described them as useful, hurtful, or seeking human companionship, which might just be code for like, I mean, come on, human, is that, it seems like, that's like a wink, wink, like, hey. Yeah. Like, I'm hungry. <clears throat> I would like you to be a companion for my mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm a demon horse. In some cases, Kelpies take their victims into the water, devour them, and throw the entrails to the water's edge. In its equine form, the Kelpie is able to extend the length of its back to carry many riders together into the depths. A common theme in the tales is of several children clambering onto the creature's back while one remains on the shore. So the horse... Hop on, let's go for a ride. Let me sing you a song. Yeah, and he goes... <laughs> like, oh, let's hop on the horse. Mm-hmm. He stretches. That was the uh, the good podcast. Good audio to make the gesture with my hands of a horse growing. Yeah, do that again. It's a good... Uh, yeah, there you go. Good visual yep. for the audio program. See, so, yeah, one of those kids stayed ashore, though. Usually a little boy. He then pets the horse, but his hand sticks to its neck. In some variations, the lad cuts off his fingers or hand to free himself. He survives, but the other children are carried off and drowned, with only some of their entrails being found later. So he's not a fan of the entrails. Yeah, he's like, ah, everything else is delicious. Right. He's like, I don't need these guts, hmm. but I'll eat these bones and brains. But yeah, well, you can leave that colon on the sand. I don't want that. Yeah, on the shore. No. Thanks. Pass. Yeah, a lot of entrail talk though. So. I don't understand. The kid cuts his hand off, though? Because that's how the other kids are like, because when you touch it, you get stuck to it. Oh, so so yeah. like, So like he was petting the horse, and they all hopped on, so they're yeah. fucked already. Yeah. But he's like, oh, shit. So, right, so then so he must, because he's, like, he's a kid in ancient times, so of course he's got a knife on him. So then he just either slices off his fingers, or if his whole palm is attached, just cuts off his wrist. Mm-hmm. So this is an extreme nice story for children. I mean, that's an intense knife to carry around on right. you. Or what if you don't have a knife, but you have a... 
you have a rock and you just smash your hand into pieces before so you can like pull it away and then like parts of your tendons and flesh just like stick to the horse and it see ya yeah it's by hand <laughs> see ya by hand <laughs> no <laughs> <clears throat> that was a kid in a different telling the specific count was nine children lost of whom only the innards of one are recovered the surviving boy is again saved by cutting off his finger. And there's a, some other, you know, additional information given about this story. He had a Bible in his pocket. So the, of course, implication is that that somehow saved the rest of his body. Well, well it didn't help him cut his hand off, that's no, for sure. Yeah, no, he just, maybe he used the pages to stop the bleeding after. Anyways. Maybe. Grim, <laughs> yeah, huge Maybe. Gregorson Campbell considers the creature responsible to have been a water horse rather than a Kelpie. And the tale, quote, obviously, well, it's all cool from Wikipedia, but this is his specific quote, obviously a pious fraud to keep children from wandering on Sundays. Again, wait, that whole story might have been told is to keep kids from running off on Sundays. You might get your hand stuck to a water creature and you might have to cut it off. So just so go to church. Stay close to home and go to church. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he mentions like a water horse and a kelpie. Yeah, so two different things. Yeah, why would someone argue the differences between a kelpie and a water horse? The terms are used interchangeably sometimes for the same horror, but other times not as much. Kind of like how a rectangle is a square, but a square isn't always isn't a rectangle. You know that back and still got four sides, but not always the same creature. Right. The term water horse was originally a name given to the kelpie. I think these are just other talks about Kelpie and water creatures. A creature similar to the hippocamp, which has to do with like seahorses and stuff, which was the head, neck, and mane of a normal horse. Again, water horse. Front neck and mane of a normal horse. Front legs like a horse. Webbed feet and two long, and long, two-lobed whale-like tail. So it's like a horse mermaid. <laughs> think about that. Is that what mermaids ride? <sighs> Mermaid steed. But they just swim, so. Right. Usually mermaids have like, usually you see mermaids in like chariots and stuff being pulled by creatures. Because these would pull the mermaid chariots. It's hypothetical that this could happen. No, it's a fact. fact. Oh, that's right. Fact, fact of fun. <laughs> fun facts. Yeah. I like the name of our podcast, but if it was just called Fun Facts and this is all we talked about. it <laughs> <laughs> would be misleading to a lot right. of people. Oh, what are these fun facts? What the fuck happened to his hand? <laughs> yeah. This is Dark Demon Horse. Huh. What? Tornadoes over water are actually demons. <laughs> Weird. Science is a lie? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Maybe we should change the name of our podcast, because I kind of like that. I think I like it, too. Weird and feared. Fun facts. It's a subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what that horse looks like. The term has also been used as a nickname for other lake monsters, you know. People see lots of shit. The name Kelpie has often been a nickname for many other Scottish lake monsters. Many monsters we may eventually address on future shows. Or on fun facts. Or on fun facts. Yeah, this show. Yeah. Fun facts. So what is the difference between a Kelpie and a water horse? Like, what actually might even separate these two things? Mm -hmm. One, yeah, and when does this difference even matter? Well, when this difference is mentioned or when anybody cares to even talk about it, the water, ho the water horse... I threw off because I got thrown off because it says the water horse is lives. That's not how I typed that, but yep. fuck me, I guess. The water horse lives in locks, 
while the Kelpie resides in turbulent waters such as rivers, fords, and waterfalls. So Kelpie's a little more rambunctious. Yeah, so the, the water waters. horse is like a little more domesticated. Uh-huh. Likes to stay at home. Yep. Just kind of float Kelpie around. Kelpie likes to be free and run around in rivers. Right. Jump around, spout into the air, do all sorts of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Some authors even call one creature of a certain place a kelpie, while others call it a water horse. They've even used terms like water bull for either creature. What? This, I mean, you know. Look at that bull. That's a horse, dude. Oh, okay. Whatever. Put your glasses on, man. Oh, it is a horse, sorry. You know, potato, patata, you get the idea. It's a bull. Water horses, kelpies, bulls, you know, type of all these kind of creatures. Well... I'm sure you were wondering, do Kelpies fuck actual horses? I was not wondering. Well, I will answer this fun fact for you. Yes. They've been known to have intercourse with normal horses. Who's doing the research on that? Some some lonely Scotsman. (laughs) He's he's just like pushing his horse out by the water. Yeah. Yeah, just get out there. Yeah, hey, check it out. He's like, psst, water horse. I got a land horse. Mm-hmm. Well, these horses, the horses that result from these unions are like Aquaman. They're impossible to drown. They can basically breathe underwater. Okay. Like Aquaman. Because he's half Aquaman and half, <laughs> and uh, half human. <laughs> Aquaman is half Aquaman. Yeah, that's that's his race, the Aquaman. That's not. I don't care what his race is. I have no idea. Whatever his species is. Atlantan. Duh. It's from Atlantis. What an idiot. He's an Atlantean. I thought it was just... I don't know. I don't know. I've never never watched Aquaman. I know nothing about it. I just fish. I watched the new movie, but the selling point wasn't Jason Momoa. It was the fact that Dolph Lundgren's in it, and he rides a seahorse. It's worth worth seeing for that. Plot's kind of... All right, I'm in. But it looks very beautiful, and Dolph Lundgren gets to be like king of a sea kingdom, so... That's cool. And Nicole Kidman is Aquaman's mom, which was cool, too. She's also an Atlantean. There's a, there's a lot going on. Okay. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's relevant. We're talking about interspecies mixing of water and land creatures. It's totally fine. <laughs> and somehow Nicole Kidman is Jason Momoa's mom? Correct. Okay. <laughs> yeah. His father was a lighthouse keeper. She came to shore and had a fun time. Cool. Like a water horse. Yeah. And it's called Nicole Kidman a water horse. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Fun facts. Unlike Aquaman, they have sh- fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Aquaman, they have shorter ears than non-hybrids. So the interspecies mixing, they have like shorter ears. Mm-hmm. Okay, Obviously. Right. Kelpies are also shapeshifters, making their abilities even scarier as they can transform into men. These stories of some of their other deceptions, again, come from Wikipedia. A uh, One Kelpie became a wizened old man, continually muttering to himself while sitting on a bridge, stitching a pair of trousers. Okay. If you're a shape-shifting Kelpie, this is what you would choose to do. I mean, do, does he even wear pants? I guess in human form I would. Why? I mean, <laughs> right, just to try and blend in. He doesn't, I don't think he quite knows how to be a human. <laughs> I think he's trying his best. Yeah, that's fine. Well, believing it, so there's a guy stitching pants on a bridge. Believing it to be a Kelpie, a passing local struck it on the head. 
<laughs> Bam! Look at this guy fixing his pants. But he's a water demon. Bam! Uh-huh. Causing it to revert to its equine form and scamper back to its lair near in a nearby pond. It's like, what the fuck, man? I mean, good thing he was right, I guess. <laughs> right? I knew it. So I feel this guy gets overconfident and then starts bashing more people. It becomes like a witch hunt type thing or like a like the um you know, the red scare. He always sees a Kelpie and he's just bashing people. No, I'm a human. Yeah. Uh, just checking. And then eventually like if he bashes and if he bashes something and they die, he's like, Well well, you weren't a Kelpie, so like like witch trials. Just pushes him into the water. Yeah. <laughs> oh he drowned. Oh he can't be a Kelpie, they can breathe underwater. Yeah. Fuck. Other accounts describe the Kelpie when appearing in Horman. Hmm. Other accounts describe the Kelpie when appearing in human form as a rough, shaggy man who leaves behind a solitary rider, gripping and crushing him, or as tearing apart and devouring humans. A lot of a lot of violent stuff going on here. Yeah, just getting their snacks in. Or if you see a human that just tears apart another human, you're like, oh my God, he might be a Kelpie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, either way, I don't want to be near him. That's what I'm thinking. No. Like that dude just ripped that guy <clears throat> apart with his bare hands. I'm going to turn around and go the other way. Yeah. I'm out of here. Maybe I might tell the cops. No, nah, I mean, nah. or just I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to mind my own business. Yeah, don't narc on the Kelpie. <laughs> yeah. I, guess I didn't see a thing, man. I don't. Yeah, especially if, it isn't, if you, he doesn't see you. Mm-hmm. It's like ah, <laughs> it's almost like a Simpsons thing or whatever. Where you, you open your door, you whistle, you see something, you just walk back inside, close the door. <laughs> like, ah, that's enough. Yep. Well, nope. Well, another story talks about a Kelpie once transformed himself into a handsome young man to woo a pretty young girl because he had decided he wanted this young girl to be his wife. But the girl recognizes the young man as a Kelpie. Certain humans must just have powers to identify Kelpies. Or he was just ripping some <clears throat> dude in half and he was like, my wife. <laughs> he turns into a handsome man and then rips apart another human being. Yeah. It's like, hey, you want to go out? <laughs> it's covered in blood. Well, this, when this woman realized he may in fact be a Kelpie, she removed his silver necklace when he slept. But actually, when he's a Horus, it's his bridle. Shapeshifters, whatever. Yeah. The Kelpie immediately reverts to its equine form, and the girl takes it home to her father's farm, where it is put to work for a year. What? Why did he go to work for a year? <laughs> they enslaved it in the farm. I mean, couldn't he have just ripped them apart? I don't know. I don't know what was going on. No, I think because he still likes her, so he's like, all right. Like, he's not going to... Like, I think he thinks... He got friend-zoned. He, he got horse... He got beast of burden zoned. Beast of burden zoned. Burdenized. Beast of burdenized. Yeah. I can never be with you. You're an animal. Oh, I guess I'll work for your dad. Yeah, what if I like pull the plow and stuff? Yeah, do you wanna hook oh, you wanna ride me? No. Oh. <laughs> Alright. But I'm like a horse and stuff. No. I'm not doing that. Get to work, you bum. <laughs> you bum. <laughs> Oh my god! What if what if her dad's like whipping him? Oh, I don't like this. Or she, he just takes him to like the market, and this is fucked up demon horse. Just like <laughs> he's like, I want to be free. Give me a better price, or my my horse eats you. Yeah, it's very good negotiations. I mean, the first person would probably laugh, right? 
And then everybody else would give him a good price. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that guy makes it. All right. So at the end of that time, the girl rides the Kelpie to consult a wise man who tells her to return the silver necklace. The wise man then asks the Kelpie, once again transformed into the handsome young man the girl had first met, whether if given the choice, it would choose to be a Kelpie or a mortal. What do you think the Kelpie does? Chose to be a Kelpie. The Kelpie in turn asks the girl whether if he were a man, she would agree to be his wife. She confirms that she would, after which the Kelpie chooses to become a mortal man and the pair are married. It's a happy story. I guess, but you could be stomping mud holes. <laughs> well, yeah, because you're just thinking about the cool things you could do if you were a Kelpie. Yeah. And he's just like, I just want to be... He's like Peter Parker, who just wants to live a normal life, as opposed to embracing his superpowers. Fine, I guess. He's like, I just want to be with Mary Jane. I know I got these cool powers that I'm a half-demon horse. I just want to run up and down rivers and shred people. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Maybe he's already had his fill of that. Maybe he did that for the past 5,000 years. He's over and it. And now he's like, ah, I want to settle down. <laughs> and that's why he was okay with being put to work for a year, because he's like, all right. Like, I, like, I had my fun. He's like, I did deceive her. I wasn't like, hey, I'm a Kelpie. So, like, this is on me. Well, I and, guess. And her dad's like, I got this fucking paranormal super beast to plow all my crops. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, traditionally, Kelpies in their human form are male. One of the few stories describing the creature in female form is set at Conan House in Ross and Cromarty. These are Scottish things, I assume. It tells of a tall woman dressed in green with a withered, meager countenance ever distorted by a malignant scowl who overpowered and drowned a man and a boy after she jumped out of a stream. All right. Surprise. Yeah, hello. I'm here. Hey. Whoa. All right, so the arrival of Christianity in Scotland in the 6th century resulted in some folk stories and beliefs being recorded by scribes and Christian monks. You know, they would spread it word of mouth and stuff. Uh, some state the Kelpie retains its hooves even in human form, leading to its association with the Christian notion of Satan, just as with the Greek god Pan, uh, satyrs, and of course the infamous Marilyn Goatman. All things with hooved. 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 Thank you. Mm-hmm. Behooved. Yeah, behooved them to write about them. But of course, the goat man is a goat, not a horse. Well, he's half goat. Right. That's the hoof part that matters. That's true. Again, another cousin. <clears throat> when a Kelpie appeared in its equine persona without any tack, it could be captured using a halter stamped with the sign of a cross. So this is how you probably can enslave one. And its strength could then be harnessed in tasks, such as the transportation of heavy millstones. This is exactly what that girl's dad did. Oh, yeah? Sounds like it. I doubt it. Sounds like that. He was just a beta beta horse. He's yeah. like, oh, I'll just, yeah. I'll just work the fields. Yeah. I'm not good enough. One folk tale describes how the laird of Morphy captured a Kelpie and used it to carry stones to build his castle. Once the work was complete, the laird released the Kelpie, which was evidently unhappy about its treatment. Oh, I wonder why. Yeah. He just made it haul yeah. rocks for like He just enslaved me years. to build your home. The Laird released the Kelpie. Yeah, he was unhappy. The curse it issued before leaving. So yeah, the Kelpie escapes, leaves the curse. Sarah back and Sarah Baines, driving the Lord of Murphy stains. The Laird of Murphy will never thrive as Lang, it's dialect, as Lang's the Kelpie is alive. I don't like that threat at all. You're fucked as long as I'm alive. I don't like that at all. Yeah, and it's an immortal water yeah. demon beast. Yeah, so what do you think there was the result of that curse by chance? Like what he cursed him, and there was a curse. So what did that do? Uh, 
nothing good. Yeah, the uh, many people believe that is that is why many people believe the uh, the curse resulted in the extinction of the Laird's entire family. So his whole bloodline was exterminated. Hmm. Uh, he got punished. Fun. Some Kelpies were said to be equipped with a bridle and sometimes a saddle, and appeared invitingly ready to ride. But if mounted, they would run off and drown the riders. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like what they did for fun. Right, yeah, of course. And it's easy. Oh, let's hop on this horse. What the fuck? No! Yeah. If the Kelpie was already wearing a bridle, exorcism might be achieved by removing it. A bridle taken from a Kelpie was endowed with magical properties. And if brandished towards someone, was able to transform that person into a horse or pony. They could transform the person into a horse or pony? Yes, if you kill a, you yeah, you steal this from a Kelpie, you could use this power to become Kelpie man. Hmm. Or no, horse or pony. So you wouldn't become a Kelpie, but you could just be a normal horse, I guess. But you can shapeshift. Right, you become a shapeshifter. And I mean... That sounds fun. It'd be cool to be a shapeshifter. So, all right. That's a Kelpie. Let's say you're enjoying your Scottish holiday. And you're confronted with one of these said Kelpies. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Uh, what would you do if a Kelpie attacked you when you're enjoying the Scottish countryside? I would try to uh, exercise his bridle so I could become a pony. Nice. Good call. What if you thought your life was in danger and you could not get his bridle? I could tell you what you might want to do. You might, you might want to fire off a few rounds of silver bullets right into his brain, heart, wherever you can achieve maximum damage. Obviously. Silver bullets, man. That'll do it. Turning him into a, quote, turf and a soft mass like jellyfish. So when you obliterate him, he just melts into goo. Huh. All right, another battle. Uh, during another battle, a Kelpie kept harassing a man's family. So he turned the beast into a, quote, heap of starch or something like it by penetrating the spirit's flanks with two sharp iron spears that had been heated in a fire. Well, that sounds like you got to be prepared for that one. Right. Well, I mean, silver bullets you're prepared, but right. who's not always carrying silver bullets in a gun? I mean, because it sounds like this Kelpie, right, I mean, that's, because like a silver bullet will kill a person, so just be prepared. Right, yeah. <laughs> always have silver bullets. Yeah. It's like, I'm all right. Why are you buying lead bullets? Yeah, what are you dumb. doing with those? Silver. It'll That'll do damage to a human. Yeah. So... Just in case that world for Kelby comes. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> yep. I'd like to buy a few silver bullets. What? I mean, where would I buy silver bullets? <laughs> Is it going to the gun store? Yeah. That shows up in like your Ford card report or like your background checks. In 2011, this man tried to buy silver bullets. <laughs> we don't know what. He's never committed any crimes, but we don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> can't be good. Yeah, it's a little questionable. But yeah, because that Kelpie was harassing that guy's family. So like, I figure he was just like, all right. Yeah, Kelpie, because he's, he's like making these weapons like, all right. Leaves him in like his, leaves him in near his fire by his immortal stew that never stops. Because his neighbor had a Kelpie working for him. <laughs> this guy just kept offering this guy a job. <laughs> yeah, he's like. Or tried to get a job. Right, right. He's like, come on, put me to work. Yeah, I can. I can I got, like, quit harassing me. I got, bam, bam, bam. I got bam. good legs. <laughs> stab, stab, shoot, shoot. So yeah, silver and iron, or bullets and big things, I mean, whatever, you know, everybody's favorite weapons. Yeah. Stories of water creatures and water monsters are very common in Europe and hell, the entire world. We're talking Scotland, 
We're talking water monsters. But I'm very clearly beating around the bush and avoiding what comes to probably the most famous water monster of all time. We're not talking about Nessie. We're even moving away from the beloved Kelpie we just got done talking about. About. Yeah, he was cool. Kelpie adjacent. But what comes next? When I discovered this, I was not prepared. Okay. I did not. I was not ready for what is about to happen. So, I mean, most human settlements sprung up around waterways, so it makes sense that we would have this fascination with the creatures that may or may not be living in them. But water comes in a couple varieties. Fresh water gives us life. Salt water, well, remember, we're in Scotland. We've got an ocean to deal with. Longtime listeners of our very program are already aware of our own obsession with the ocean. People may dream of extraterrestrials from outer space, but the ocean can be even more of a mystery and full of real-life creatures more bizarre than any great science fiction writer could invent. We don't have any idea what is down there, which is less than great. Mm -hmm. Especially when some of those things can come up here. So... Remember our hypothetical scenario from the beginning? You're enjoying your vacation. Mm-hmm. You're enjoying Scotland. You're doing all the touristy things the internet tells you you should do. Edinburgh Castle. These are places you're visiting. Been there. The Royal Mile. How was that? Is it, it was, awesome? It was a long time ago. It was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, Loch Lomond. Don't know what that means. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a loch lake. You even swing by Loch Ness to try and get a peek at Nessie. We're friends now. Why not? The Royal Yacht, Britannia, Isle of Skye, Stirling Castle, Kelvin Grove Art Gallery and Museum in Glasgow, Britain's tallest mountain, Ben Nevis. You're loving it. Then you set out to the Northern Isles, the Orkney Isles. Maybe you're hoping to see the Northern Lights, or as they're called there, the Merry Dancers. There are probably many places, actually. Mm-hmm. The Orkney Islands are a geographical area that has been inhabited by several people through the centuries. It is a very ancient place. The Celts, Romans, Scandinavians, and naturally the Scottish have all called these islands their home, creating an interwoven web of folklore and stories that grew into all their mytho- that grew all their mythologies into one of a kind, an Arcadian mythology. And this mythology, well, it told stories of a very specific ocean entity. 19th century farmer and folklorist Walter Trail Dennison in the Scottish Antiquary Antiquary described an account from a man named Tomas. It's spelled T-A-M-M-A-S, but it's Thomas. Okay. Tomas. A peasant from said Orkney Islands and one of the rare few who survived an encounter with this specific entity. It took Walter Trail Dennison several months of harassing Tomas before he gave him his account. And even then, the poor man, this is a quote, the poor man was so utterly terrified he could hardly speak. What follows is that account. Tomas, like his namesake, Tom O'Shanter, was out late one night. It was, though moonless, a fine starlit night. 
Tomas's road lay close by the seashore, and as he entered, a part of the road that was hemmed in on one side by the sea, and on the other by a deep freshwater lock, he saw some huge object in front of him. He, he saw some huge object in front of and moving towards him. What was he to do? He was sure it was no earthly thing that was steadily coming towards him. He could not go to either side, and to turn his back to an evil thing he had heard was the most dangerous position of all. So Tommy thought, he said to himself, The Lord be aboot me. That's how it's written. I'm not doing that to be funny. Aboot. The Lord be aboot me, and take care of me, and I am oot on no evil intent this night. Kind of forced him that to try sounds to fun. make an accent there, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, not, he's, not all, he's not about getting attacked by this creature tonight. No. He's not a booted. No, he's not a booted. Tommy was always regarded as rough and foolhardy. But he seems like he has a good hand in his shoulders right now. He's like, I ain't gonna let this thing get me. Anyway, as he determined as the best of two evils to face the foe, and so walked resolutely yet slowly forward, he soon discovered to his horror that the gruesome creature approaching him was none other than the dreaded Knuckle of V. Excuse me? Have you heard about that? No. Knuckle of V. Knuckle of V? Knuckle of V. Imagine like knuckle, like your knuckle. Mm-hmm. Knuckle of V. Knuckle of V. The knuckle of V. The most cruel and malignant of all uncanny beings that trouble mankind. The lower part of this terrible monster, as seen by Tommy, was like a great horse, with flappers like fins about his legs, with a mouth as wide as a whale's, from which came breath like steam from a brewing kettle. He had but one eye, and that is red as fire. On him sat, or rather seemed to grow from his back, a huge man with no legs and arms that reached nearly to the ground. His head was as big as a clue of Simmons. I still don't know what that is, but it's very large. And his huge head kept rolling from one shoulder to the other as if it meant to tumble off. Huh. But what to Tommy appeared most horrible of all was that the monster was skinless, this utter want of skin adding much to the terrific appearance of the creature's naked body. Well, that doesn't sound good. The whole surface of it showing only red, raw flesh, in, what, in which Tommy saw blood, black as tar, running through yellow veins, and great white sinews, thick as horse tethers, twisting, stretching, and contracting as the monster moved. Tommy went slowly on in mortal terror, his hair on end, a cold sensation like a film of ice between his scalp and his skull, and a cold sweat bursting from every pore. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. How do you feel about that entire descriptive... I wouldn't be about that either. Are you picturing what this thing might look like? Yeah, it sounds horrifying. It sounds like hell on earth to me. Yeah. Blood as black as tar? Yeah, that's not good. This skinless, sinewy horse monster... With a human torso growing out of its back? Yeah, so does it have a horse head still, too? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's got human arms that stretch, basically, they can touch the ground. But they're, you know, mounted from his shoulders, they go all the way down to the ground, so, like, they can touch it. Mm-hmm. And it's a horse. With weird watery fins and shit in the back, with no skin. And one red eye on the horse head. And the human head is this giant thing that kind of bobbles around aimlessly, as if who knows what's going on up there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's in this account, but sometimes it's said to even be three feet wide. 
the head. Yeah. So, you know. Sounds fun. There's some fun facts. Don't want to be hanging around with that guy, I don't think. But Tomas, he knew it was useless to flee, and he said if he had to die, he would rather see who killed him than die with his back to his foe. Tommy's got some honor here. Yeah. So I mean, I mean. So this guy just time to fight. This guy just tipped his hat and was like, "He's like, all right, all right, here we Touché. go." Here we go. In all his terror, Tommy remembered what he had heard of Knuckle Levy's dislike of fresh water, and therefore took that side of the road nearest to the lock. So there's ocean, there's a path, and there's the fresh water. Mm-hmm. The awful moment came when the lower head of the monster got abreast of Tommy. The mouth of the monster yawned like a bottomless pit. Tommy found its hot breath like fire on his face. The long arms were stretched out to seize the unhappy man. To avoid, if possible, the monster's clutch, Tommy swerved as near as he could to the lock. In doing so, one of his feet went into the lock, splashing up some of the water on the foreleg of the monster, whereat the horse gave a snort like thunder and shied over to the other side of the road, and Tommy felt the wind of Knuckle of these clutches as he narrowly escaped the monster's grip. Tommy saw his opportunity and ran with all of his might, and sore need had he to run, for Knuckle of V had turned and was galloping after him, and bellowing with a sound like the roaring sea. Look over your shoulder, you see this... (laughs) Sounds like a nightmare Pokemon. God, it sounds horrifying. I can't, I mean, if I keep saying horrifying, it's going to lose its meaning, but I don't know what else to describe this creature as. Not good. Terror, horror... Evil, I am. Um, hell, 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 hellkin. That's what I'm calling it. Okay, it's just a word I made up. In front of Tommy lay a rivulet, through which the surplus of water—that's how you pronounce that—rivulet, rivulet, rivulet. Okay, thank you. Through which the surplus of water of the lock found its way to the sea, and Tommy knew if he could only cross the running water, he was safe. So he strained every nerve. As he reached the near bank, another clutch was made at him by the long arms. Tommy made a desperate spring and reached the other side, leaving his bonnet in the monster's clutches. Why is he wearing a bonnet? I'm <laughs> sure that's just the ancient term for super cool hat. Probably. <laughs> just got his badass bonnet. <laughs> just, just tied it under his chin <laughs> yeah. and everything. And then the monster like grabs it. He's like, oh, my bonnet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Knuckle Levy gave a wild and earthly yell of disappointed rage as Tommy fell senseless on the safe side of the water. The Knuckle Levy. Oh my god. He's got a bonnet now. He's got a bonnet. Now imagine the hell creature with his bonnet on. <laughs> now I look pretty. Maybe that's all he wanted. I want to look nice. Mm-hmm. You have a cool bonnet. Quote, if crops were blighted, that, but that's the end of that story. That's the account. Mm-hmm. But this is another quote. If crops were blighted by sea gust or mildew, if livestock fell over high rocks that skirt the shores, or if an epidemic raged among men or among the lower animals, Knuckle Levy was the cause of it all. His breath was venom, falling like blight on vegetable and with deadly disease on animal life. So he spreads a plague and kills your crops. I mean... And eats humans. What is he... He's not good at all. No. Sure isn't good. A lot of accounts 
of this guy stress that he has no redeeming qualities. He's evil manifest. Yeah. If I mean, you, that sounds about right. If you'd like to, I mean, this might not be a bad idea to just, I can, if you, um, if you like to Google a picture of someone's illustrations of this thing, they will haunt your nightmares for the end of time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're real good. They're real cool. All right. I'm in. And just like scroll at these fucking things. Zach, look at these things. God. Look at it! Oh, what the fuck? What the fuck is that? I mean, that's kind of pretty much exactly how I pictured it. Good. Except for this one's got the one eye as the head. Yeah, there's a few different interpretations, and some could kind of talk about him being a centaur too, but but not really. So, how do you feel about those? Yeah, they're pretty pretty <laughs> intense. Yeah, they're horrifying. Yeah. What the fuck? So, let's hit some of this creature's highlights and break this horrifying Silent Hill Resident Evil Doom-esque monster down a little further with this Thought Catalog article titled 17 Facts About the Knuckle of V, the creepiest animal you've never heard of. But Chrissy Stockton. Okay. Again, I'm just driving this creature's alert home. Yes. More fun facts. And a lot of these are, of course, we've already talked about in the story, but I kind of want to drive this point home. The Knuckle of V has no skin. Black blood is visible, circulating through its veins. The knuckle of V takes a different form when it is in the sea, but no surviving tales account for what that form looks like. So no one even knows what its sea form is. Who has any idea? Who knows? For all you know, it could be some kind of fish that we just that swims around you. Yeah. But when it goes on land, of all the folklore and urban legends of Scotland's northern isles, the knuckle of V is considered the very worst of all creatures. The prefix knuck may be derived from the word for the devil. The name as a whole means devil of the sea. Nick, of course, being the word they are referring to here, because it was also a Christian term for Satan. So, knuck. Fun fact, yeah. Knuck might come from Nick, and Nick, of course, referred to the devil. Hmm. But there's also Saint Nick, who is the opposite of that. But then again, there's a merging with Krampus and the devil, so that's probably a whole... Yeah, Water spout of ideas swirling around to make that be a thing. And St. Nick came from Odin, which and, would have been a pagan god. Right, which again, pagan. I don't know. Not of Christ. I mean, we're making a lot of jumps here, but... Hey, we're having fun facts. Yeah, fun facts. <laughs> fun with facts. Fun facts. The reason people fear the knuckle of V, besides his horrific appearance... That's in parentheses in this article. <laughs> yeah. Besides the fact that it's a devil monster... Mm-hmm is that its breath will wilt and destroy crops and kill or cause illness to cattle. When it appears on land, it causes destruction, even being responsible for droughts, crop failures, and epidemics. Because it is a sea creature, the only known way to escape from a knuckle of V is to cross or enter into a body of fresh water, which the animal is unable to tolerate. Also, because of its inability to tolerate fresh water, a knuckle of V is confined to the sea when it is raining. Good. So it's kind of like a force field. Yeah. The knuckle of V is com- is often compared to its freshwater equivalent, the kelpie. The kelpie is a shape-shifting... Well, we know what a kelpie is. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. The knuckle of V is considered so demonic, the early inhabitants of Scotland's Northern Isles would not even say the word knuckle of V without immediately following it with a prayer. And um, I did not look up this prayer because we probably should have ended the episode with that. Probably. One thing that is known to anger the knuckle of V 
is the smell of burning seaweed, which was a practice done to create fertilizer for crops. He didn't like that. Yeah, because he, he hates crops. Yeah, he's like, nah, fuck it. There are no good qualities attributed to the knuckle of V. Again, I mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. He's a pure evil manifest. One reason stories about the knuckle of V persisted is because it helped primitive humans understand the cause of misfortune, like crop failures or accidents at sea, especially in the treacherous areas where the stories originated. Again, we established that you know science lies and these things are real, mm-hmm. but in Correct. perhaps an alternate universe, this was a story to tell people to stay away from the water. Right. Yeah, so we talked about how the knuckle of V's breath, it wilted crops and killed livestock and was just overall generally horrible. Mm-hmm. And he also, like we said, causes epidemics and droughts. And we talked about the seaweed. And so one of the reasons why he did not like that is because the product, soda ash, was an alkali mainly used to treat acidic soil. Although as time went on, its commercial importance in soap and glass manufacture increased. The pungent smoke emitted during the process was believed to enrage the knuckle of V. But what did he do when he was enraged? It sent him away from humans. He didn't attack humans when this happened. So what would he do? Open to guesses. Just go take it out on some fish? Close. Resulting in a wild rampage of plague, the deaths of cattle, and the destruction of crops. So, yeah. like, he fucks everything else but the people. So, like, well, I don't know what you did there. Yeah. Like, he just freaks him out. He has a spasm. He just spasms all over the place. Mm-hmm. A hell spasm. Again, I just chose to call it that. The knuckle of V was said to have infected horses um, on Strasne with the deadly disease known as Mordeschein. That doesn't sound good. No, not good at all. And that's part of his fury when he was extracting, uh, when he was enacting his revenge because of the burning seaweed. And then that infection spread to other islands, and it was just overall terrible. He was also blamed for abnormally um, long periods of low rainfall, and that would lead to poor harvests and in- increasing water shortages. So the fact that he hates fresh water, but then has the ability to make it not rain, feels like that's uh, makes rain less valuable if he has the power to affect that. Mm-hmm. But who knows what? Who knows how much he can actually control about the rain? Like maybe he can't just like shut it off. Maybe he can only do that when he's feeling real spiteful, you know, or sad. Oh, now I feel bad for this fucking horrifying thing. <laughs> his sad, skinless horse head. He's feeling gloomy. Oh, he he's rest his head. He like, oh my gosh, he probably like sits like a horse, because he's a horse. How do horses sit? They like sit in like their elbows, like you know, like. Oh yeah. And then he puts his big giant hands down and just rests them. His horse see, head. See, when you said that, I imagined it trying to sit like a dog, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's not how they they sit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite that way. I mean, who That'd knows? That'd be weird to see. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the worst place to be is by the ocean with no fresh water in sight, not a rain cloud in the sky, when a knuckle of E has its evil intentions focused on you. And again, it is pure, unrelenting evil. But consider how bloodthirsty and demonic the knuckle of E is. Why doesn't it wage war on humans at all times? What is stopping it from constantly coming ashore and obliterating all life in sight? I don't know. What is stopping it? Turns out the species is controlled in the summer months by a noble spirit called the Sea Mither, or Mither of the Sea. Hmm. 
What you got, Wikipedia? The sea mither is a spirit of summer days that quells the turbulent seawaters around the northern isles of Scotland. Shetland Islanders, particularly fishermen, seek her for her protection from the devil. Let's see, because control of the seas, this is getting into some folklore we're not going to quite delve all the way into, but basically, there's like an evil force of the sea, and the sea mither tames him, and then the... Um, Knuckle of V because, of course, water spouts and tumultuous seas. And basically, like a Kelpie, he lives where the water is crazy along the ocean and stuff. You know, tides mm-hmm. crashing against stuff. So she kind of controls him. She calms him down. In which case, um, he is less prone to attacking humanity and all those creatures on the islands. The sea mother, um, after she also undertakes benevolent labors, she empowers... Aquatic creatures with the ability to reproduce, warms and calms the seas, and instills a softer song-like quality to the gentle summer breeze. And then according to another folklorist and Orkney resident, man we talked about earlier, who got that account from Tomas, Walter Trail Denison, said during Seamother's rain in summer, the conditions reported by islanders may have tempted one to believe the Orkney archipelago had become the islands of the blessed. But the continual work she undertakes to keep everything calm and the strain of maintaining control over Tehran, that evil water spirit, gradually tires her. So it's a back and forth. When it gets to autumn, Tehran takes advantage of the sea mother's exhaustion to break free. And the conflict between the two starts again. So, you know, again, this could be an explanation of weather. Yeah. Or science is wrong and this is what actually happens. Correct. Okay. As long as we're clear. Yep. Yeah, no details are given where she spends her winter, but during the storms caused by Turan, the fishermen were consoled that Seamither would return refreshed and powerful in the spring to again oust Turan from his malevolent grip over the seas. Mm. And of course... She had to go on a vacation, too. She did have to go to her vacation. Maybe she went down to the... She went to Arizona. Maybe. Like, I gotta get out of here. Yeah. It's wet, and I wanna go to the fucking desert. <laughs> 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 And then when she's gone, I imagine the Turan and all the Knuckle of V's just rage fucking havoc on everything. <laughs> Yikes. Yep. Oh, my God. So, if you ever travel to the Northern Isles of Scotland, always carry fresh water with you. Or get ready to burn some mad seaweed. Otherwise, the Knuckle of V might have you on the menu. And that's no way to spend a holiday. No. The Knuckle of V. Knuckle of V is pretty cool. He's insane. Yeah. I mean, some of those drawings, he has a spear. That makes it even scarier. Yeah, give him weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Fuck, give him a spear. Heck, I'd give him guns that shoot spears. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, okay. And throw a bandolier over him. Mm hmm. Put a bandana around his head and the horse's head. And the horse's head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Well, one of them's got to wear a bonnet. Uh, that's, uh, fuck, I don't know what's cuter, the skinless horse head or the skinless man head. <laughs> <laughs> I roll the dice, they switch it up. Yeah, yeah they take turns. They, but yeah. Each one of them wants to feel pretty. They do. Point. Yeah, they absolutely do. But when I saw this thing and I heard this story, I can't imagine this thing isn't more popular anywhere because, like, it's rare, like, it, no other creatures kind of look like, even when we're talking about, like, um, well, like, things with, like, hoof legs and, like, they're kind of anthropomorphic, and then even when we talk about like sheep squatches and like Bigfoots and like, but like nothing else looks like this. No, nothing else on Earth, alive or fake, alive or fake. Yeah, those are opposites. Fine, alive or fake, 
would ever resemble this thing. It's skinless nature. The fact that it's got two heads and like two torsos, basically. Right. And these giant arms that could reach. If it can touch the ground and he's a horse, that's like a... Well, he's a guy it? riding a horse. Yeah, it's like it's like a 16-foot, 20-foot wings, 20-foot arm span. Yeah, it's a guy riding a horse with his hands that touch the ground as he's as he's running. They can. So imagine like, fuck, he's got this radius of just this kill radius. is so strong. Hmm. Like if he goes through a town square and just starts like spinning around, everyone's dead. Yep. He's horrifying, but I'm but glad. But then I start splashing him with water. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that. Maybe it something with the salt water, because he has no skin, you maybe know, that's actually painful. The salt water would be painful, though. But he's that's where he's from. That's true. Right? So, like, the opposite. Like, the same. But your logic is what I was yeah. trying to. You said it better than I would right. when I did. Because, yeah, that same logic. Like, oh, if I'm from the sea and salt water is my thing, fresh water is like, ah! So now people carry squirt guns all the time. See, Arm yourselves. <laughs> So we just run another movie because that's the final battle. They got super soakers and they're blasting the fuck out of him. <laughs> oh, and like he's just falling, he's being blown into pieces. Uh-huh. This is the pump ones. Guys got the backpack ones. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole movie about a lot of killing, a lot of blood, a lot of terror. And this is how it ends no, with a bunch so, of super soakers. So what it is? Okay, it's this kid. Yeah. Back in the day, him and his friends are hanging out. Okay. And they get taken by a kelpie. Okay. And then he goes on a path of revenge. Okay. And he gets a super soaker and builds an army and just goes to town murdering water demons. <laughs> so there's a whole series. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Water Demon Avenger. Starring Jason Momoa. <laughs> <laughs> Aquaman. Yeah. Aquaman reversed. I kill the sea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? I'd watch that. Yeah, Earthman. Earthman. <laughs> I don't know. It's the opposite of Terrestrial Man. Yeah, terrestrial Man. <laughs> I was going to say Terran Man, but that's the name of this Earth Demon creature things. But yeah, any one of those work. But yeah. I'd watch that. Knuckle of V, horrifying creature. Anybody, if you didn't Google it, just do that. Or if your mind is conjuring an amazing creature in your head, go with that. I mean, just the most hor- terrifying. I need to buzz open a thesaurus and memorize more words for the word terror scary. and horrible. Oh, yeah. Scary. Scary. Well. If you've survived an encounter with the Knuckle of E, hey, let us know. Mm-hmm. Our Scottish, our British fans, let us know at weirdandfeardpodcast at gmail.com and all the social medias. And the Patreon is there for you to also support us when you can. Mm-hmm. It's all there. Yeah. But otherwise, let this creature haunt your dreams, but I guess that would make them nightmares. Mm-hmm. And stay spooky. Yeah, stay spooky. Boom. <laughs>